This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from the record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak here with the record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin. We've got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about in this week's episode. We've got playoff, we got championship uh, state swimming that took place over this weekend. So we'll talk about that and obviously another big win for Loyola moving on over um, into the state semifinals. Um, we've also got some uh, good uh, news when it comes to some uh, loyal athletic things um, and also uh, some big signing day stuff going on. So we're going to do a four-quarter format. Uh, first quarter, we're going to recap all that stuff that I mentioned. In the second quarter, we're joined by Loyola diver Greta Kavanaugh, who won a state championship. In the third quarter, we play way or no way. And then in the fourth quarter, we get you all set up for semifinal weekend here in the state uh, football playoffs. Um, a really good matchup here, so we'll uh, look forward to that as well. But before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice review. Always appreciate it. Um, make sure you like the podcast. It always helps us um, get more listeners who also love uh, listening um, not only about you know football and that kind of stuff, but North Shore High School sports and um, high school sports in uh, in Illinois. So make sure you give us a nice review. Always appreciate your support, uh, both online and in person. Um, all right, let's start things off here, Joe. Um, we thought talked a little bit about how um, Loyola's quarterfinal matchup against St. Ignatius might be their um, toughest matchup so far. Um, and you know, from the first play, Loyola just dominated. Um, scoring on an 80-yard touchdown pass from Ryan Fitzgerald to Nick Aragonde. Um, Loyola was in full control on their way to a 41-7 victory. Um, Loyola maybe struggled with the triple option, like a little bit on its first defensive play, but then uh, completely took St. Ignatius out of it. And um, just a pure dominating performance for the Ramblers, who um, have just, you know, dominated all three phases of the game again. Yeah, they look pretty unstoppable, um, to be honest. Um, just a lot of the run game too. I thought, and of course, they had the big pass plays that they got them in chunks. I think three or four of them, but uh, in between, they were pretty much doing whatever they wanted on the ground game, and um, that's a great sign for them going to these final two games where um, you might have to do that um, a little more, uh, or at least you know have that in your bag. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say. Their defense is that good. They did give up. Um, a touchdown or so it seemed. Um, uh, the same nation's crowd started to go nuts, but it was called back with a penalty, a holding penalty, and that was really nothing much doing for St. Nation's other than that until their last drive against Loyal Second Unit. So, um, they're just, I don't know, is it getting boring? Is that silly to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's what it happens when you're so dominant. I mean, they just have shown off their depth and. Um, you know, Justin Scott wasn't really a factor in this game for St. Ignatius. He left the second half injured. Um, he was dealing with a bunch of different things, but, um, you know, I, like we talked about, like on the offensive line, they took him away. They double teamed him, triple teamed him, didn't really let, they ran to the opposite side of where Scott was coming from to make sure that he wasn't making an impact. And then, um, when Loyola did break or when St. Ignatius did bring in Scott for like a, a run or two, 
um, before, you know, kind of injuries kind of played a bigger factor. And it was kind of like, what's the point of when you're down 28 to nothing, as Mad Miller liked to say. Um, but I, they just didn't let Justin Scott take over this game. And um, I think that's obviously a good job for the players, but I think that's also a good job for the coaches, you know, game planning well against a guy who um, Ryan Fitzgerald said after the game, you know, you look at some tape from some guys and, you know, they'll have some, you know, huddle videos. Justin Scott, like, has a whole channel by himself, so that was the first time for them. But um, Loyola really did a good job of neutralizing the Ohio State commit. Yeah, he. I mean, he's that good and that special of a player. Obviously, he's going to Ohio State. Um, but football, I mean, football's – it's working in concert. It's a whole unit needs to work together. And while one guy can have an impact, of course, um, rarely is one guy going to – do everything for you and win a whole game that that just doesn't happen in football um it's hard to and, and when loyal is the team that has more talent on the field and more of a cohesive unit uh there's just not much justin scott can do in that situation and i think that's what they did they schemed and, and they had the right um the right players on them to to kind of neutralize or mitigate his impact and that was that's all they had to do i think um he did block a kick, which was pretty cool to see a guy like that get in there so quickly, um, kind of show off his special talents on that one. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, like like we talked about, even if they did run the football with him, which I think they only did once. Did they do it twice? Um, I think it was a couple of times. Yeah, it's it's like, yes, he's big and he's super agile and quick, but uh, Loyola's got flies to the football and six guys are bigger than one no matter how big that guy is. Um, we, we hit on this in my notebook this week and kind of talked about it in the game story as well, about how, you know, Loyola's offense is so confident right now. Like Deshero talked about it after the game about how, you know, he wanted to take the ball. He wanted them to have the ball because he wanted them to score. And you see that first play, an 80-yard touchdown pass, and then you just see how dominant and how, like, I, I don't know if – I don't think cocky is the right word, but I think they're just very confident in themselves, and they know how good they are. And you, they backed it up this entire season about how good this offense is and how really, you know, especially at the beginning of games, they're not really going to stand too much, and they're, you know, going to show off, you know, how talented they are, whether that's running the ball with, like, two or three different backs or whether that's passing it to um, a few different receivers. Yeah, and I think that that's grown throughout the year, right? with success against a variety of different um, opponents and strengths of defenses. And they really just haven't been cut down too much. So uh, that has grown and it's been really impressive to watch uh, the, the presence of uh, what Ryan Fitzgerald has been able to do about Nick Aragande and what he's been able to do later in this season, as well as um, Brennan Loftus, their tight end is, is really special and coming along and uh, Drew McPherson as well, and, uh, you know, a lot of guys on that offense. And that offensive line is playing extremely well. So, yeah, the whole unit is just doing things that they're super, they're super hard to stop. And I don't know if there is a scheme that's going to stop them, maybe slow them down. But, um, yeah, they're playing at a level and just feeling it right now and just uh, they're vibing and it's awesome. How impressive that this group has seemingly done this from the beginning of, of the season, you know, with a, a new quarterback, you know, who was on, you know, wasn't on varsity last season with Ryan Fitzgerald as a junior. You've got new targets, essentially, you know, you lose Declan Ford and that kind of stuff. I mean, Drew McPherson comes back, but, you know, you lose a couple of running backs to some serious injuries as well. I mean, this is a pretty, you know, new look offense, even with some new offensive linemen. So 
Um, it's pretty impressive just to watch, you know, I feel like from day one, just how dynamic this offense has been and kind of kept up at the same level that the offense was at last year with, you know, Jake Sterney, Declan Ford and all those guys. Yeah. It's certainly in terms of points scored and, and controlling the game has, has been right up there just in a slightly different way They they don't pass it as much. I mean, Sterney could make all the throws. Now we're seeing it on the, the college level. Um, and, and I think Fitzgerald came too, but um, there's still, I think he's still got some room to grow in that area and they don't need to, they don't need to pass it 40 times a game. Um, have they only turned the ball over once still? I mean, that's crazy all season. I think they only have that one fumble. Um, so um, yeah, they, they, they're at a very high level with a lot of guys that are coming back. We didn't think their running game would be this good, even though their offensive line usually is. Uh, but with Drew and Finn Miller and Ryan Fitzgerald being able to, uh, gain yards and chunks on the ground when he makes those decisions to scramble. I mean, they do what they want. They really do. And the, uh, the defense didn't really struggle at all with the triple option, you know, offense from St. Ignatius, but that's real credit at St. John, actually a linebacker coming over and playing fullback for the scout team. I mean, I think that's the luxury of what Loyola has, obviously having so many players, you know, being able to run an efficient scout team where, you know, you've got players who are learning a new offense and, uh, that defense didn't really struggle at all with that triple option. Um, you know, maybe a little bit on the first drive. But I don't even think they struggled with it that much there either. Yeah, we may have talked about this last week. But I don't know what will cause them to struggle. It's just that talented. Uh, I was really impressed with their secondary play, um, just just in terms of making tackles. Um, I think the return of – I think Matty Vallis was, was injured, and, and he's come back. And uh, he's made an impact there. They've got Kenny Langston and they've got Donovan Robinson doing big things in the secondary, Emmanuel Fosu. Um, it's just a really good secondary unit. And we know what their front seven can always do. It's always going to be a strength Loyola. So if they have that back there, the ability to tackle and cover, man, it's it's a long day for opposing offenses. And uh, uh, I don't, I'd be really surprised if anybody gets to them this year. And we only got two possible games left. All right, we'll touch on that next possible game against York here in the semifinals, but let's move on over here in the first quarter. We've got uh, some, what is this, like the third or fourth straight episode we're talking about championships right now where we got um, another championship to talk about. Um, that's for uh, Loyola's Greta Kavanaugh, who um, had a really impressive story, Joe. I know you wrote it for the record, North Shore. Make sure you check it out there. But um, Greta, you know, comes back to, uh, you know, diving after uh, two years away from high school competition. And uh, she really impresses by, um, with a really impressive score, um, earning a state championship for the Ramblers. Yeah, she's got uh, all the loyal, well, many of the loyal records and a lot of the the conference records as well for what she's done this year. And it's really her first uh, full season in a high school um, uniform, high school swimsuit, I guess. And uh, she... She did compete for Loyola her freshman year, and but that was the pandemic year of um, nineteen twenty. No, twenty twenty one. What year is it? Um, it was the pandemic year where there wasn't a full state final, so she didn't get to make it there, even though she was fourth in the sectional. And then she competed in club and kind of developed her skills and uh, was looking for recruiting opportunities. She's going to Wisconsin Madison, so she'll be a Badger. Huge opportunity for. Her comes back and just dominates high school swimming and diving, uh, wins every meet she's in this year, sets uh, some records, and it didn't slow down at State. She unthrown, dethroned the defending stamp champ and uh, 
yeah, definitely made it, made a mark. And, and she told me that um, she just wanted to uh, show the state who she was, you know, make, make herself known. And she did it. Yeah, just a really impress impressive performance. And you can read about it more um, in Joe's story on the record, NorthShore.org. But uh, just really impressive just to be able to get that uh, uh, opportunity to, uh, um, you know, win that and uh, get an opportunity, obviously, to get back in the high school, uh, high school, not wrestling. I mean, my it's <laughs> mixed up here as we're doing previews for other stuff. But no, high school uh, swimming and diving, obviously. So really impressive for her to come back and um, have a really good weekend out in Westmont, just like Nutrier did. Uh, Nutria finished second uh, overall, winning a runner-up trophy. Um, Rosary won a, a state championship. Um, really impressive performance from them. But another strong performance, Joe, from Nutria, just, you know, showing off that depth and uh, setting two program records, uh, win fourth straight medley relay. Uh, just a really strong performance again for the Trebians all weekend long. Yep. Um, they are who they are in the state swim meet. Um, Nutria's that good. Back-to-back -back champs. I know they were you know, they were hoping really for, for a third one. Um, I'm sure, you know, that was a goal for a lot of folks, but um, Rosary put really a historic effort out there. Um, they won a couple relays and they had a senior, Becky Rents, I think her name was, who who really, she won two events on her own and was part of those relays. And she was obviously a special, you know, diver or swimmer of the, of the year, really at that meet. Um, did some great things and there's only so many points you can get so that they, they uh, they fell the second, but, um, you know, what really surprised me in talking to coach Matt guy, uh, was that from last year's state championship team, Nutria returned just one individual point from the state meet. Um, and everybody else was new to the state meet, especially the Saturday, the second day. And they, they racked up more than 200 points, um, to, to finish in second place. So, just um, a testament to the program, uh, to the talent in the pool um, in the North Shore and uh, at Nutrier High School, and um, it was uh, it's pretty pretty cool thing to do coming from um, basically no returners to um, a second place finish. Yeah, just a really impressive performance. So congratulations to everyone who was involved in uh, on a really impressive you know run there. Um, really good stuff from Nutrier, obviously for the past you know what decades or something like that, but. Um, another great uh, chapter added to that story program. So congratulations to everyone who was able to uh, take part in that. All right, Joe, we had some uh, news come out. Obviously, we're recording this on the 15th today, uh, Wednesday. Um, some news out of uh, Wilmette's uh, trustee uh, board meeting on Tuesday uh, that Loyola will be able to add lights to its campus. Um, the Village Board approved that with a 6-1 to one vote. Uh, they will get uh, another appearance uh, on the December 12th um, meeting of the village board when trustees will finalize and presumably approve a lengthy list of conditions um, attached to the permit to install the lights. But it seems like lights are coming over to Loyola and we could potentially be getting Friday night lights here at uh, Loyola as well for football. They are um, approved last night. Like I said, the only thing not approved is is the conditions. Those have to be formally written out and um, vetted, but, um, we got a list of those conditions. I'll read them in a second, but basically it's, it wasn't really con that contested at, at the, uh, it was a, all the trustees kind of made, it was a difficult decision and a lot of things to weigh, but, uh, the positives to the community and, and to Loyola outweighed the negatives, potential impact, um, to the neighborhood who was 
fighting um, um, valiantly to uh, not have this, obviously worried about congestion and traffic and parking, um, basically moving from Saturday afternoons to Friday nights. That was the big concern. Um, and uh, uh, they they almost had it. They, it was, uh, they, I'm talking about the neighbors, the, the, the committee level uh, was on their side, but the village board was not. Um, so we're going to have lights and we're probably going to have them for next year. I don't think it's that extensive of a process to install four poles. Um, obviously not cheap or anything, um, but uh, they ran, Nutria ran a, uh, Loyola ran a program to raise money for it. Um, I think they're still raising money, but any, uh, I digress. Some of the conditions um, which are important um, to this um, in terms of keeping their lights um, and their permit is no concerts, no third-party usage at all. Uh, this should only be used by Loyola student-athletes. Um, public safety and staffing needs will be determined by the police department, but Loyola will have to reimburse the police department for all that staffing. Um, there'll have to be um, some sort of mitigation on the PA system. Um, they're, they, Loyola must submit a parking plan each year, and that's open to scrutiny and review, as well as a traffic plan. Uh, violations um, could be, you know, they could revoke the permit. Lights have an auto shutoff feature, um, an auto shutoff, and Loyola provide a community liaison. Some other conditions that were agreed before that actually Loyola put into their permit were they're only going to do four Friday night games. So 56 total night events for the year, but only four on Friday nights. And only three of those four will be football. So you can expect probably next year, I assume, that Loyola will have three Friday home games. Um, and I think they'll probably do another one or two on Saturday. That's I can only assume they're not going to do six away games. Um, but um, that's not written in stone yet. But uh, that is part of their concessions is to limit that. And also the lights will shut off at 10 p.m. So you can read all of that. I'm sorry, I just went off on a tangent because I just edited the story myself. But um, that is a lot to do about what those lights, but the lights are coming. Yeah, make sure you check out the story there. Uh, Marty put it together uh, after covering the board meeting on Tuesday. Uh, make sure you check it out at therecordnorthshore.org. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more this uh, about this in uh, way or no way, but uh, lights are coming to Loyola, so some interesting stuff there as well. All right, before we move on to uh, the second quarter, just uh, wanted to give a shout out. Uh, a lot of uh, area, you know, kids around the nation uh, signed their letters of intent starting last week, um, and the North Shore was also included in those fifth festivities. Um, more than 60 student athletes were honored by the high schools and coaches on November 8th. Um, and, uh, there's a large group of kids, um, from, you know, whether that be Loyola, uh, Highland Park or Nutrier who uh, are going to be completing, competing collegiately, Joe. Yeah, pretty, uh, always kind of a fun, um, break in the action competition is just celebrating these student athletes and the schools like to do it. And, uh, just some things of note, um, I think, uh, seven, Nutria baseball players. Uh, so that was cool to see. Obviously, uh, they're a, uh, they were in the state finals this year. So a bunch of players from there getting their recognition. Um, something we didn't report yet, Loyola or Nutria volleyball player, David Wolf is going to Stanford. So that's a big, um, a big uh, commitment for him and his family. So congrats to him. So check out all the rest of them at the record
All right, that's everything that we've got for the first quarter. Let's move on over now to the second quarter where we talked uh, about Greta, but let's hear from Greta now. Uh, Joe and I got a chance to uh, catch up with her after winning a state championship. What are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, she just tells me about her story a little bit, and um, she tells me uh, a little bit. So I had to, I had to read about this too, non-diving people, um, about how um, at the finals she kind of stumbled a little bit on her approach her hurdle uh, and was able to adjust. And she talked about that a little bit too. All right, let's have a listen. Thank you. Um, tell me how it feels first off, state champ. Um, I've wanted it for so long. So it feels really good to finally get here and be here and win. When you say so long, tell me more about that. Um, I didn't do high school season last year or the year before. So, and then COVID was my freshman year. So I've right. never really had the chance to be here. So this is your first state meet. Mm-hmm. Why did you do it the two previous years? Um, focus on club, recruiting chances, Okay. What are you doing next year? I'm going to be diving at Wisconsin-Madison. Wisconsin, that's awesome. Um, so just tell me, what was your strategy going in your first state tournament? Were you nervous? Um, I just wanted to kind of show everyone like my diving and what hasn't been here for the past four years. Was it nerve-wracking at all? Yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. Yeah. Okay, and what what do you think was key to it? What's key to a, a big meet like this, best divers in the state? Um, I've been to a million meets, and so the key was to dive how I always dive and yeah. not treat it any different than my club meets or nationals or zones or anything that I've been to before. So you, you've never been in a state meet, but like that was your goal for like ever? Um, one of them, yeah. When did you start diving? When I was about eight. Okay, and which, uh, where do you live, what community? Lake Forest, by Here, Lake Forest, okay, why'd you come to Loyola? Uh, my whole family went, yeah. so just kind of, kind of a family thing, yeah. Okay, so I mean, state champion, how does that sound? Crazy, it doesn't feel really, it doesn't feel real yet, I just, I didn't think it would happen. Anything surprise you at this meet, like of your dives? Um, my Did reverse. you have to, my, is that the first one today? Yeah. I had a really bad hurdle, so I'm really surprised and happy that I was able to save it and put it down. Your coach mentioned that, like, you know, even when you do have a bad hurdle, you're able to yeah. adapt. How, how, um, how do you do that? Sometimes I skip the arm circle, which you're not <laughs> supposed to do, but um, yeah, I do take off on bad hurdles a lot. I don't like to block in practices, and I, um, that's something I've been working on a lot this season. Yeah. So, I think I got used to kind of knowing I'm not my best hurdles, mm-hmm. which was really useful for the season. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, Joe, let's move on over now to uh, the third quarter where we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether they can happen way or no way they cannot happen. All right, Joe, uh, I'm going to vary my question because I can't always just ask whether this new Trier program is one of the best in the state because that gets, that gets tiresome after a while. But way or no way, new Trier has become a shoe-in when it comes to competing for a state championship every single year in girls swimming and diving. I'll say no way. But it, it In this current iteration, yes, it seems like it, but there are years where they do not they're not a, a competitor. 
I mean, they're, they're probably a state finalist, like, uh, you know, we're talking about top 10 finish. But when you get into that Saturday, you get and you look at, say, the seed times, you get a good feel who's going to be in the top three or four. And there are years where Nutria is not. Um, but I mean, for the next, I think next year is almost a guarantee. And maybe the year after that, cause they have a, um, I actually don't know how many sophomores they have, but anyway, um, that's, that's a tough one. A shoe in. I'll say no way. I'll go with way. I think with what they've seen, you know, what they've done over the last couple of years, um, they're always dominating that conference they're always winning a sectional championship and they always have the depth so i think you can can consider them a shoe-in for you know competing for a state championship i know obviously it's not going to happen every single year and the last couple of years were really you know great part of the program's history and then winning runner-up this year is obviously also impressive as well um but i i would say that is uh i'll go with the way i think that you know they are a shoe-in you can't win it every single year even though as much as you want to um, and you, you know, you had to deal with the historic year from Rosary this year, which is what the how most points ever scored at a state final. So um, you're not always going to be able to beat those odds, but I do think that New Trier is always in it. So uh, I think that uh, way they are, it seems like they always are a shoe in when it comes to competing for a state championship. All right, Joe, uh, we are underway here with uh, girls basketball getting started the first few days of the regular season. Um, Loyola lost in the sectional final last year. Way or no way, you think that this program can take the next step and reach the super sectional round this season? Way. Uh, this team's going to be legit. Um, they returned the whole roster. Literally, I mean, every single person, as long as they made the team. I don't, I don't know about um, cuts and things like that, but they didn't graduate anybody from that team. There were no seniors last year. So, and they've got two stars in, uh, Paige Angles and Kelsey Langston. I like this team a lot. I like the makeup of it. I think uh, coach and his staff will, will kind of fill in around those two stars. Um, they always, you know, the past couple of years, they've had an issue with size, um, but, you know, so they might have to out rebound their size, but um, I just think it's going to be a really talented group and, and they certainly, I think are a state contender. Yeah. I'm definitely going in the way there as well. I think last year, you know, they, didn't end it the way they wanted to, at least now winning a sectional championship and moving forward. So um, obviously Maine South um, competed well with Hersey in last year's super sectional, but um, I, I, I do think that Loyola has the talent and, you know, based on what you're saying about all those guys coming back, I do think that um, that's a really impressive thing to have, um, especially with what they were able to accomplish last season. So I think that way they're definitely making, I can't say definitely, obviously you don't know how the, um, you know, how the matchups are going to look or anything like that. But I think it's a way that they can't potentially get to the super sectional and make it down to state uh, this season. All right, Joe, new Trier, uh girls um, maybe hasn't been at the same level that it's been at for the past that we've kind of been used to. Um, obviously competing for sectional championships and that kind of stuff. New Trier um, won, uh, lost in the won a game, but then lost in a regional final to Glenbrook South. Uh, way or no way, you think that this program can regroup this season and make it to sectionals? I think they can. Um, I think they've improved the past couple of years. If you look at just the win total, um, they do play a pretty tough and, and full schedule. Um, so um, I think that prepares them. And they've got three, maybe more than that, uh, returning starters, four returning starters. And 
they had to, I think what's going to work to their benefit. And now see, you're getting me excited about hoops is they had a couple injuries last year. So they had to work in a lot of other talent and that talent got a bunch of experience that they're going to bring back this year and take advantage of um, people like, you know, Aaron Floyd, um, who ended up being like a, a go-to person last year um, after the injury to Seal Klein. So Seal Klein's back to lead the way. KJ Scaro, I like this team. I think they I think they can, you know, compete for a regional and even uh, make it to the sectional rounds. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I think last year the injuries kind of got the best of Nutrier, and I think that they – um, we're on the potential of kind of getting to that step that we're talking about this year. So I'm going to go with the way I think that this group can uh, definitely, you know, take that next step and compete in the sectional. So I'm going to go with the way there. All right, Joe, uh, we will uh, talk more about boys basketball and obviously girls basketball and other stuff once uh, the football season is officially over. But um, way or no way that either Nutria boys, you know, Highland Park or uh, Loyola, but way or no way you think that this year is uh, the year that we'll get a state championship? Oh, no, man, that's too hard. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I think I'll say no way just because I mean I'll take the field uh, if we're just going yeah. with those three teams. But sure. I think Nutrier's a another state finals contender able to get there, and I think Loyola is this year with what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, Miles Bolin is spectacular. And then you got another year of a couple guys that were really good last year. So uh, Brendan Loftus, uh, Adam Doherty. Um, yeah, a lot of guys. Uh, the, uh, Tarjan, Jimmy Tarjan. Um, so it's going to be a good team, um, Loyola is. And I, I'm really looking forward to that early season Loyola Nutria matchup next Wednesday. Uh, but I just, I don't think they have enough to win a state championship, but Hey, they put it all together. Who knows? Yeah. I'm going to go with the no way, just mostly for the odds uh, like you did, but uh, I, I do think that they have the, you know, new returns a lot. Uh, Loyola has a lot as well. So um, I wouldn't be surprised about state finals. And obviously when you get there, you don't really know what's going to happen. I know the powerhouses, the, um, the really good programs, obviously in the city, and, uh, the suburbs obviously as well have really, you know, shown off over the last couple of years, but um, new Trier has shown up obviously. And then I think Loyola can join that level as well. So, um, maybe not a state championship because I think the odds just don't make sense for you to make like that. But, um, I do think that, uh, they have the potential to, um, honestly, all three to have a really good, impressive season. So I'll, uh, no way on this, but I, I think that we've got some good basketball happening here this upcoming winter. All right, Joe, uh, we talked about the lights coming to Loyola. Um, and you said the restrictions about, you know, how many football games and how much, uh, you know, they're going to do. Uh, way or no way, uh, you should still have, you know, regardless of whether you can, you know, because of the limitations and that kind of stuff. But way or no way, you think that Saturday night game should be the default for Loyola moving forward? You mean Friday? No, I mean Saturday, like keeping with Saturday, even though you got the lights. Oh. No, I think you should move to Friday. I think that's Friday night football is fun, man. I think it's fun for the players, fun for the, for the um, uh, atmosphere, the community to be at a Friday night game. It's something to do as well. That's fun and exciting, especially when you got a really good team. I mean, you, you hear players say over and over there, there's nothing like playing under the lights. So um, I think that's it. And plus, you know, no, if, if you do keep continuing with this level that Loyola plays at, you're going to have your playoffs on Saturdays anyway. They'll still be there just a little further down the line. 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I guess no way. Um, I think Friday Night Lights is going to be fun. I think it'll be good. Um, but I, I would agree with you. I do think that those Saturday games will still continue. There is something special about playing, you know, a Mount Carmel Loyola game, game of the regular season for in the entire state. Like that has been fun the last couple of years. So um, I'm going to go with no way, but I do think that Saturday is definitely an important part of uh, the program. And honestly, my, I'm not saying it's the reason. I'm not saying that it probably is, you know, one of the first three or four reasons of why Loyola has been so, so successful, but it does play a factor when schools have to travel on a Saturday and go up to Loyola and compete yeah. there. And I've had many coaches tell me that it's just different to travel up on a Saturday and go compete there. So um, I uh, know that that'll be definitely something that Loyola probably considers moving forward. All right, let's move on forward in this podcast and move on over to the fourth quarter where um, we've got one last uh, football uh, game to cover. Um, well, obviously they can move forward here in the next couple of weeks as well, but uh, we've got one thing to preview, I guess, here in the fourth quarter is a better way of saying it. Loyola is hosting York in the semifinals for the second straight season. Um, York holding on to beat Edwardsville on Saturday, uh, 36 to 29. Loyola, obviously big winners um, in that front. Um, let's start, you know, Let's just start with the general obvious question here. How much does revenge play a factor and how much does that really matter when you're playing a team like Loyola? I mean, I, th- I'm, I think it certainly plays a factor um, because York's going to need it. They're going to need all the juice they can get. So they have some right here built in that they can use as motivation. Um, you know, they saw Loyola a little bit last year. I, I know it's a, it's a much different team, so I don't know what they can take away, but I'm sure there's some. Um, they're probably watching some tape of them getting rolled and getting upset about it, a little, uh, little steamed, um, which is probably a good thing. So I don't, it, it plays a role. I, I, I would agree with you that uh, <clears throat> I don't know how much it's going to help against Loyola. Um, it, Loyal is going to win this by a few scores. I, I think, I think no offense to York. It just Loyola keeps showing us. And so does a team like Mount Carmel and uh, uh, that, and so does a team like East St. Louis. There, these few teams, very few teams, there's a gap between everybody else and, and these few teams. And until someone else proves it um, and I'm rooting for him to do it, like let's see an underdog, you know, take a shot, make a run, but no one has yet. So um, York's going to need every every advantage. All right, let's talk about the Dukes. The Dukes' uh, lone loss of the season um, was a 28-7 kind of surprise loss to uh, Lombard West. That one kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, York has been pretty, you know, fairly dominant much of the season. Uh, they beat York, uh, Glenbrook South to start the year 35-7. They beat Naz 42-13. Um, they've beaten OPRF, Downers Grove South, Hinsdale Central, Downers Grove North, also a playoff team. Uh, Lions, they beat twice, Proviso West, Homewood, Flossmoor, and obviously Edwardsville, um, a really good team to enter the semifinals. So York has beaten a lot of good teams, and their resume is pr- pretty good. Um, what can you say about, you know, having that experience? Um, and I, I know I know the default, and I'm I struggle with a lot of this when I'm you know previewing CCL ESCC games, and um, when you have a CCL ESCC team playing against the team that isn't, how much does that experience kind of compare to the experience that Loyola has and what they've been able to go through this season? 
Yeah, York hasn't had a light schedule. Um, they've played Downers Grove North has has come on as one of the best teams, and they beat them by a couple scores. Um, Lions is a really good team um, that also plays a tough schedule. So uh, I think uh, the state didn't get to see too much of them in the spotlight. But, you know, I just really think, you know, the Catholic League is the number one and you play everybody. Uh, you play the biggest. There, there's no breaks. Um, it's it's just a tough schedule through and through. And uh, Loyola took care of it. Um, biggest competition was, of course, Mont Carmel. And you come out a winner. So they have been tested in a close game too. They haven't just won all runaways. Um, they worked out the kinks along the way. I just, uh, I think they're just playing at such a high level right now. I don't think that York is there. Um, they're just not at that level. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there. And I think uh, um, all of the things that York kind of does well, I think Loyola has shown that they can stop. Like Jack Melian um, is a really good running back for the Dukes. He rushed for 147 yards in their second round game. Quarterback Sean Winton um, has thrown for over 150 yards uh, before, but I think Loyola has kind of shown you that they know how to beat you. They know how to get rid of the run, and then they force your quarterback to make mistakes. And I think that that's something that um, York can't really, you know, once Loyola is able to stop their running attack and then the passing attack stops, I think that that defense is just going to continue to do what's done all season, and that's pretty much stranglehold teams from the line and then just make them make mistakes or make them, you know, not come up with big plays. Yeah. I, I think you, you're right on. I think, you know, York has made it's, it's living in a lot of respects, running the ball and then throwing off those runs. And once one of those um, avenues is taken away, uh, I think that's where Loyola really thrives. Um, working really, really well in concert on that defensive end of the football. Um, and um, you're going to have to, try to get by that secondary and uh good luck um they're ready for it and uh they're fast and they're physical uh they make you don't want it. i remember last year was snowing i think it's also going to be cold in this one um I, I don't know what what that has to do with it it's just every time i picture york you loyal i think of those huge snowflakes from last year but um oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i just think loyal is just gonna you know take away things i, I think We've talked about it. We talked about it versus Saint Ignatius, and I think in other matchups to beat the Loyola defense, I think you're going to have to come up with some new, exciting, spontaneous to do it. And maybe York has that. I'm just saying, if they stay with their same game plan, it ain't going to do it. Well, and I think the I you know the coaches might listen to this and laugh and be like, "What do you know? You're like you're not really looking at game or anything." But Mount Carmel was the closest team to potentially do that to that Loyola defense, and they did it by Jack Elliott, you know, running the ball. And also like throwing the ball, like he was a real true dual threat quarterback who, you know, he was able to pick up 10 or 15 plays on a drive, either throwing the ball. And then when Loyola took all those avenues away, he ran the ball and almost, you know, helped Mount Carmel come back for a, you know, to, you know, tie that game there and lay it in the fourth quarter. So, you know, if York wants to do anything, I'd probably say if their quarterback can do that, then that's great. But I feel like that's the closest way that anyone has really come close to beating Loyola's defense this season. Yeah, you're right. And you and I were on the sidelines for that game, and we were talking about how tough Jack Elliott was running, too. He's not a huge guy, but right. he, he put it all out there and was, you know, really giving it back to the Loyola defense and getting positive yards, making them work for it. And I don't think they liked it too much. And I, it, it takes a special effort to do that. So 
Um, right. A lot of that was on Jack Elliott. Maybe there's somebody else out there that can do that. Right. Uh, York's defense has averaged allowing 17.9 points per game. I feel like that's a stat that Loyola is going to love considering what they're able to do. I, I think the offense has been really good for York, but I would say that the defense maybe. You know, they gave up 29 points to a really good Edwardsville team. They gave up 14 to Lions, 22 to Homewood Flossmore, um, you know, 14 to Lions as well, and 28, obviously, in that win for Glenbard West, uh, 21 even to Downers Grove North. Even in wins, this defense has allowed points, and I don't know if that's something that Loyola – I don't think that's something York wants to do against a Loyola offense like this. No, certainly not. Um, And we've seen the last two games, Loyola has really taken off early in the football game. I'm sure that's going to be on York's mind. We'll see who wins the coin flip. Uh, But um, it's just like you said, that confidence Loyola is running with on the offensive end, I'm sure they don't think anyone can stop them. I mean, we'll see when they get – possibly get – um, if things go their way to a Lincoln Way East or a, um, well, Lincoln Way East has the better defense between them and Barrington, but um, maybe Lincoln Way East can do something like, you know, they did, did a pretty good job last year in the state finals. But anyway, um, I'm sure that I'm sure Loyola is feeling good about what they're seeing and confident in what they can do against the Dukes. All right. All right, Joe, I'll get a prediction out of you, but uh, hopefully you're prepared. I'm going to ask you about uh, all the other games that are going on and what you're kind of looking forward to. I guess, you know, what do you kind of, what are some of the games that you're really looking forward to this week? And I feel like there are really a lot of good appetizing semifinal matchups here as we head into the final stretch of the football season. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, all of them, right? Um, are yeah. We're at the final four in uh, all these classes here so it's really all of them i think batavia and mount carmel um is the highlight of of the weekend um i think that's the big one i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there um i think i think batavia is playing maybe you know compared to how they have played all season i mean they played really well of course but they're playing at a really good level right now um so i think it's going to be um it's going to be a football game. I think Moncar will be ready for it, but I don't see a blowout. And maybe that's my, maybe I'm being naive, but um, I, I just like the way Batavia has been coming out here. So I, I think they might uh, put up quite a fight here against Mount Carmel. So that's, that's probably my favorite. I think normal and Downers Grove North intrigues me just because it's hard to know what a, a central or, or Southern Illinois team looks like. And uh, they've been impressive. Um, but I, I do like Donald's Grove North to do it, but I, I think that could be interesting. Um, and the other 8A is Barrington Lincoln Way East. I, I like Lincoln Way East in that one, so I think maybe the 7A intrigues more than 8A. Yeah, I think those are some front matchups. The 5A is interesting. You got an entire CCL, ESCC 5A here. Um, you got St. Francis against Nazareth, and then you got Joliet Catholic against Providence Catholic. You just got some really good two neighborhood rivalry matchups to go to the state. Obviously, Joliet Catholic and uh, Providence, you know, big, you know, bitter uh, rivals. And then St. Francis and Naz. Uh, Naz trying to do the improbable, go from 0-4 to a state championship. It's really curious to see what they can do and whether they can stop uh, Alessio uh, Milihovic for St. Francis, probably the best quarterback in the state right now. Um, but yeah, I think that Batavia Mount Carmel game is probably the game of the weekend. Uh, obviously a rematch of last year's seven, a state title game, but, um, just, you know, two teams that have not really shown that they, you know, will lose to anyone or really have any problems with anyone. Um, obviously both teams have a loss this season, but, um, I think both teams are, uh, it should be a really fun matchup. 
um, and Mount Carmel on Saturday afternoon. All right, Joey, I think you have Lincoln Way East uh, winning uh, in that semifinal matchup. Will Loyola be joining them in normal and playing for a second straight year for a state championship? Uh, yes. Yes, I think they will. Um, especially on their home field. I just like everything's on the Loyola side and, and um, Godspeed to York. You know, I hope they put up a fight and who knows what happens when, if that occurs. But um, I just like uh, the, the team Loyola is this year has been really impressive in what they're able to do. So on both ends of the football and, and of course they're all state kicker. Um, so um, I like Loyola by a score of 30, Four, two, ten. Yeah, I think this – I feel like we've had this mindset for a long time now, but it's kind of like why would you doubt this team if they've never really given you a reason to doubt them? Like they have been dominant all season in the closest game of the year. Um, they held up uh, a, a comeback effort. I know York obviously is having a very good season, but everywhere you look with this Loyola team, there's just talent and there's just, you know, preparedness and there's just – you know, guys who have been there and done that. So um, I think Loyola wins this game again. I guess I'll go with the 35 to – I'll do 35 to 13. Loyola wins that game. I just – there has not been any reason for me to believe that this Loyola team will stumble against York um, if it is Lincoln Way East. I think that will probably be their toughest matchup of the season. Um, I know Lincoln Way East is probably drooling at the possibility of getting a chance at Loyola again this season for a state championship. But um, I do think that – Hasn't really shown, especially here in the playoffs. They've dominated 45 to 9, 33 to 6, and 41 to 7. They haven't shown any, you know, hiccups or anything like that in the playoffs. So uh, I think Loyola wins this game pretty handily and is moving down the state uh, for a second straight season. All right, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to us and listen to us anywhere that podcasts are available. Make sure you give us a nice little right like. We always appreciate it. That helps us get to more uh, podcast listeners who are also curious about North Shore sports and Illinois high school football. Make sure you check out all of our work at Friday Night Drive. We'll have all of semifinal weekend covered for you guys. We'll have all your scores, all the games covered. So make sure you uh, come look at us and make sure um, with us as we get ready for championships and as always make sure you keep up with the record northshore.org joe will have you covered of this loyola game also everything else that is going on in the north shore area not only sports but uh everything else that happens in the north shore so for joe and i thanks so much for joining us this week and we will talk to you guys down the road see ya Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.